What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to The WAN Show. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you all today. Our big topics this week are Razor has egg on their face due to the unqualified product they asked you to put on your face. In other big news, NVIDIA dropped a new 12-gig version of the RTX 3080, and everyone definitely cared about that. What else we got today, Luke? Google calls for White House support uh, to ensure that open-source software projects are secure, and you can mine crypto on your electric car. Wow! Wow. Great. I'm really excited about that. I was just hoping that there would be more things I could mine crypto on. Let's roll that intro. Yeah. The comments about you are so funny. <laughs> Luke has transcended. All right, why don't we jump right into our first topic, which is, of course, what the heck is going on with the stream today? Luke is missing from the nipples down, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I'm holding him up. I'm holding him up here. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Where'd you go? Where'd you go, dog? There's a, there's a person in my household who is sick, so we're trying to be safe, so I'm staying home. So I'm, I'm, I'm telecommuting today. Doing that safe stuff. Now, there were a couple people asking, well, why the heck didn't Linus just broadcast from home like you guys did? And the answer is A, because this is amazing. <laughs> and B, because my computer is hardcore broken. All right. You're going to want to subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Linus Tech Tips. Okay. If you guys weren't familiar, it's my YouTube channel. Get subscribed over there because I'm going to have a YouTube short coming up over the weekend showing you guys the noise that my water cooling pump is making right now. I, I can do the noise for you, Luke. Do you want me to do the noise for you? Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Please. It sounds like this. It sounds like a pretty cool car. But yeah. That's not a water pump. That's the noise it makes. And it actually, it actually rattles my entire rack. The entire thing. <laughs> thing is shaking now i'm not crapping on the lang d5 not by a long shot because that pump is probably nearly 15 years old so it's done its time it's done it it's done its duty sir it is time to retire it so i've actually grabbed another one i just ripped it out of um, some like pump reservoir combo thing that we had lying around at the office that has clearly never been used and I'm going to replace it and hopefully I'll have my computer up and running. But my machine is not running, so there was no way that we were going to be able to do this from home. Now, let's talk about the other big story of the week. Razor's masks, allegedly not as safe as advertised. The Zephyr and Zephyr Pro were originally marketed as N95 rated. So N95 means that 95% of airborne particles should be filtered if you are wearing such a mask. Uh, but here's the thing. They actually have to be tested and certified by the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. Uh, Naomi Wu, uh, aka Sexy Cyborg, did a teardown and checked the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health to find out that the Zephyrs were not, in fact, N95 rated. 
So Razor said the filters used in the mask were tested for 95% particulate filtration efficiency, but the mask itself is not, and this is a problem for a number of reasons. Luke, why is that a problem, okay? If, you have, if I had an N95 filter on my head, okay, <laughs> then is that an N95 face accessory? Uh, d yes, partially, for sure, absolutely. Done, solved, COVID Solved immune. problem. See you later, COVID. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is gonna fix the world. I just changed I believe, the world right there. I believe Spider-Man's eye covers are N95. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the exhale port doesn't have anything stopping you from inhaling through it. Uh, bit of an issue, so there's no filtration there. Uh, the filters themselves are actually pretty small, uh, and breathing through the mask in, in general is more difficult than a proper mask. There's also other bits of masks that you can breathe through that aren't covered by the filters themselves. Razor is removing all N95 references from their website and marketing, um, and customers who purchased a mask will be notified, apparently. Okay, so this is interesting. We just got a merch message from Garrett I, or L, doesn't matter. Uh, I asked for this pillow on Twitter in June. Oh, wait, uh, so thanks. Okay. Oh, bought the expensive edition pillow. We'll talk more about that later. Perfect. Also, Razor is being a meanie about the mask. They are apparently refusing refunds, according to this user, and only doing returns after I really threw a fit. Apparently, four reps said no. So that is all allegedly at this time because I have no way of verifying that. But if true, that is not, not cool right now. If you pull the rug out from under your users in terms of the features or functionality of a product, if it's misleadingly labeled, you need to step up, do the right thing and accept the returns for it, right? Like if you don't like that, then you shouldn't advertise it incorrectly. Um, I don't know. This is not. Do, the do you know if there's anyone in the office that has purchased one? I doubt it. Because doing a secret shopper thing where you try to return it would be pretty interesting. It would be interesting. I mean, honestly, this is this is a story I feel like has been long enough that I'm. I think I'm just not going to worry about telling it. I don't. I don't care anymore. I, honestly, I'm at a point in my career where I just don't really give a anymore. So. Um, this is not the first time that Razor has misled anybody, you know. Um, they, 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 are, they are not exactly known for being 100% forthright about the materials that they're using in their products. I mean, I had an incident where I'm not going to name any names, but um, a, a high-ranking Razor executive who I used to communicate with fairly regularly uh, misled me about the origin of the Razer switches in their original mechanical keyboards that had Razer switches. I was told, maybe not to my face, since technically it was a phone call, but I was told flat out in no uncertain terms that Razer had engineered their own switches. And it's one of those things where, you know, as, a, as an enthusiast and as a... Um, as a skeptic, as a lifelong skeptic, maybe I wasn't a cynic yet, but definitely a skeptic at that point. Now I'm a cynic. I, I, I smelled BS and, you know, there were a lot of signs that Razer had not, in fact, invented their own keyboard switch. Like, <laughs> say, for example, the fact that they had completely recycled wholesale the diagram from Cherry's website 
showing how the plunger mechanism worked in the Switch. I mean, you remember that, Luke? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And no matter how many times I prodded and pressed, this individual insisted, insisted that they had met, they had researched and developed their own switches. And I went, I don't believe you. And so what I did is in the video that we ultimately made about that keyboard, I basically just, I actually don't remember exactly what I said because I, I was torn. I was either going to say they're Kiowa switches, which ultimately is what they ended up being, uh, or I was just going to say they're Razer switches, uh, they're a Cherry clone, they're being manufactured by someone else, obviously, other than Cherry, because Cherry would not even consider putting Razer branding on their switches, get real. Um, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I basically just, I decided not to go after them about it because you never know, right? Sometimes miscommunications happen and an executive might think something and they're just, they're, they're, it's possible they're completely ignorant of the situation. Um, and you don't want to, you don't want the actions of one individual to necessarily turn into an attack against an entire company when the odds are I could have talked to just about anyone else and they might have been more knowledgeable about the situation. The point is that misunderstandings can happen and I had decided at that time to give the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, seeing this situation now, I'm kind of looking at it going, you know, once is a, once is potentially a fluke. Um... Dev Snack says, Razer's website still says this. Razer switches stand at the forefront of keyboard technology and innovation. Since creating our own mechanical gaming switches in 2014, we have continued to refine and design a variety of switches to suit every gamer and his needs. Well, okay, we got a couple problems with this. Number one... Um, Okay, you didn't create your own mechanical gaming switches in 2014. They you branded made, them. You made a spec tweak to an That's existing... That's a huge contribution. ...to an existing switch. And number two, his needs... Razor. That is Ooh. not very 2022 of you. Oh, yeah. That's actually... That is actually not good. Every gamer and his they needs. They should change that. They should probably change that. Yeah. <laughs> Twitch, Twitch is already flipping out over it before I even called them on it. Oh no. Oh no, Rod. Rod from BS Mods. Yikes, girl gamers. Dot dot dot. <laughs> I I guess they just can't buy from Razer anymore, right? I know, right? Because it's only for his needs. Gonna have to support a better company. <sighs> Razer did a sexism. Yeah, it's one of it's one of those things. I um I, I, I'm, I'm honestly not going to call to cancel Razor over over a, a misplaced pronoun that they probably put on their website probably many years ago. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I do think they could improve their product messaging to make it more transparent. And this N95 Razor mask situation is a perfect example of that. So, uh, Luke, did you run through the issues while I was while I was looking while I was thinking about this keyboard thing? I forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're already through them all. Okay, so Razer's removing the N95 references. Um, I mean, the discussion question on this one from Ploof is, what should the repercussions be in a situation like this where the damage is already done? I mean, it's been marketed with that N95 moniker for nearly a year. So there are conceivably people out there who wore this mask thinking that it was going to protect them from a dangerous disease who potentially were not protected from a dangerous disease, but it probably did a lot more than just having 
nothing on their face. I mean, they've demonstrated time and time again that not just <sighs> breathing into each other's faces is beneficial, even if it's not properly filtered. So how do you measure? How do you measure the damage that's been done here? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty intense. It's, it's one of the reasons why, like, companies in general should be very wary of jumping into health and safety stuff when it's not their field and they don't have expertise in it. Um, especially when you're dealing with things like claiming that you have N95, whatever, claiming that there's a certain minimum level of something. If you're making like those plastic face shields, that's one thing. You're making clear plastic and it goes in front of your face. Yeah. You can see exactly where it covers. That's pretty straightforward. When the like uh, beer and other various alcohol companies started pivoting and making um, like hand cleaning stuff. That was fairly straightforward as well. Yep. Um, making filtration masks is like pretty intense um, and probably should have been taken, uh, sh should have been done much more carefully. And I'm, I'm not personally surprised that Razor was not careful when they did it. Well, the biggest self-own here is just that there are certification bodies that absolutely exist for these products and they just didn't um, go didn't through bother. the proper channels. Yeah they, yeah, they just didn't they just didn't bother. So at the very least it's negligent. Um, I don't know that it's malicious. Uh, if anything, I think I've gotten more of a, a careless um, ah, it won't matter kind of vibe from Razor's errors over the years as opposed to a uh, you know, we fully understand the the problems with what we're doing and we're gonna do it anyway kind of vibe. But Careless, you know, a careless driver that plows into a pedestrian, uh, is, is it, are they really, has the damage any less than a malicious driver that plows into a pedestrian? I don't know. You can, that's, a, that's a debate I'll leave for the philosophers. <laughs> In other news this week, NVIDIA has dropped a new 12 gig 3080. Luke? Oh, so exciting. Were you thinking, you know what I need? A GA102 GPU that costs more? Yes. Yep. Yes. Is that what you're after? Because... And that is better for mining. And that's better for mining. Okay, I wasn't even going to go there yet, but... <laughs> we, we can get into it. Uh, it sports uh, 8,960 CUDA cores uh, over the 8,704 cored 10-gigabyte variant, um, plus 256, just in case, as well as 20% more cumulative bandwidth uh, than the 10-gigabyte variant of the 3080 due to a 384-bit memory bus. There's a clock speed bump, too. Base clock is up 180 megahertz, and boost clock nudges up 40 megahertz. That's actually, like, pretty substantial on the base clock. Yeah, the note says that, too. Yeah, but these uh, cards almost never run at base clock unless you're, like, suffocating them. So there's that. That's fair. Yeah. Base clock improves by 14%, but boost clock is only up 2%, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's, it's funky. It's weird. This 12 gigabyte RTX 3080 arrives just days after the company announced a new RTX 3090 Ti with faster memory and better performance. And, oh, this hurts to say, because the really high-end cars being really expensive is one thing, but a RTX 3050 for 249 bucks. <sighs> Rough. The 12 gig 3080 pricing will be determined largely by board partners. EVJ has priced its own RTX 3080 12 gig at $1,249. Um, 
but they're potentially not even going to be showing up in North America. We have a weird note about that. I'm not certain uh, yeah. if that is for that specific brand or if that's for all of them in general. Um, but it doesn't matter because you're probably not going to get them anyways. Nice. So you know what's really funny is I was going to contradict you there, and I realized that you're not the one who's crazy. I'm the one who's crazy. You were going through the cards that NVIDIA released recently, going, oh, well, there's the 3090 Ti, and there's the RTX 3050 for $250, and you were outraged. And I was about to jump in and say, that's a great deal. But, I mean, what did the... Like, let's go back. Let's go back a couple of generations. Like, what did a GTX 950 cost? Yeah. I'm going to look this up because I don't remember. The GTX 950 launched in 2015 at $159. You're not crazy. I'm crazy. NVIDIA has managed to take that tier of product and increase the MSRP, which, by the way, is not necessarily representative of the price you will actually pay, by, hold on a second. Oh, bloody hell. I don't know how to use a calculator. So 249 over 159. They've managed to increase the price by 50 to 60%. And by the time you factor in you know, your, your super clocks and KO, and, you know, all, all your different variants of the card, you could easily be paying nearly double for the same tier of card that just you know, seven short years ago was available for, you know, 150 bucks. You know, something that you could, that as a kid in high school, you could conceivably work a side hustle and save up for in some reasonable amount of time and, you know, get your game on. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, yeah, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot faster than that card. You know, technology's come a long way in the last seven years. So I'm not saying, hey, you should go buy a GTX 950 or anything like that. I'm just saying that we've clearly been conditioned to accept that, you know, I, I mean, $250. Holy, holy. $250 for a sub 60 graphics card. That's my thing. Holy like, crap. Like, that's nuts. I don't remember how much the 8800 GT cost when it launched. I think around 300 bucks. No, I think it was less, Luke. I think that I think that Nvidia after they launched it and realized holy crap, we just completely irrelevanted our entire rest of our product line. I think they increased it, yeah, the 512 meg version, the higher end version was $250. So, going back 10 years prior $250 bought you from NVIDIA a flagship killer card. And nowadays, $250 buys you literally the lowest tier GeForce card in their entire like current lineup that they begrudgingly, over a year later, finally brought out to get more volume of cards into the hands of gamers instead of focusing on their higher margin, higher MSRP cards. That's crazy. Okay, Snap725 says, all caps, inflation. And that's a fair point. Let's head to a US inflation calculator. Okay, so let's have a look here, right? The thing is though, inflation's a funny thing because inflation for housing, for example, 
is a really different number from inflation for food, from inflation for tech. I mean, if you were to look at something like TVs or actually even personal computers as a whole, I was looking at a yeah, I was looking at a like a flyer from London Drugs from like 1995, right? Okay, oh, so no. this is this is back in the, the like the Pentium era, right? And to buy a fully equipped desktop setup was like four or five grand. And that was just what a computer cost because non gaming having, home computers, four or five grand, yeah. Having a personal computer was absolutely not a given. Um, so according to the inflation calculator, that 8800 GT, your flagship killer step down card that comes a little bit later should cost you $336. What kind of modern GPU can you buy for $336? And the other thing to consider is that in some areas of tech, we've actually got more of an opposite inflation thing going on. I mean, how much did a 42 inch TV cost 20 years ago? Riddle me that. What's a 42 inch TV cost today? A fraction. So if anything, it should be possible for technology to buck that trend. I mean, even Intel, who's not exactly known for giving consumers a deal just out of the goodness of their hearts, you go back to something like, you know, the Pentium 4, back when I first got into enthusiast computing. Um, you know, you could get a Pentium 4 Northwood, like, so, so this is like a, what is it, Northwood, Pentium 4C, I guess, was the last generation of P4 before AMD made it completely irrelevant with the F-164. So that would have been in, like, 2004, 2005. It was, like, 500 bucks for an entry-level P4. And Intel, all these years later, it's still, like, 500 bucks for an entry-level, like, like Core i7. I mean, an entry-level enthusiast chip, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I think it's possible to buck this trend. But I mean, hey, why do that when you when you don't have to, right? Like, if I'm NVIDIA, the corporation, I'm doing a great job right now finding ways to condition my users uh, and really the entire market to think that this is what gaming should cost. I guess that's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> I remember before I was into computers, I was I was pretty young. Um, I was I was looking into buying my first computer for myself. Yeah. Um, this was like, this was uh, my I had worked a summer job in a pizzeria because uh, I was like thirteen. Like uh, this was this was pretty early. Uh, it's the first time I was ever looking into computer components. So I was trying sure, to talk to a lot boy. of my, trying to talk to a lot of my friends about it, like my brother's friends because they were older and more experienced with computer stuff. Um, because I hadn't really discovered internet computer forums yet and whatnot. And one person told me a decent rule of thumb would be for your, for your somewhat important components. And to remember, I had like no money for your somewhat important components, spend about a hundred bucks each. Sure. And yep. I roughly followed that for my first, I ended up shifting things around cause I ended up finding forums and stuff, but that was actually not a bad rule to get a working usable gaming computer yep. at that time. That's extreme. That's so nuts now. Like yep. I, it's um, it's kind of sad. Jr. sixty nine fifty five says, "Hey, despite the rising costs over the last years, Xboxes and Playstations still cost the same." Now that's a little misleading because Can't Nvidia, unlike Microsoft and Sony, doesn't get to continue to make money on you 
after you own the product, at least not to the same degree. I mean, I don't know what they're doing with everyone logging into GeForce Experience necessarily. Um, there might be ways for them to monetize that data. I legitimately have no <laughs> idea. I'm not accusing them of anything. I just don't know. Um, but compared to what Microsoft and Sony are able to get in terms of residuals through uh, game sales or and with Microsoft so focused on Game Pass monthly subscriptions, it just doesn't even begin to touch it. There's a reason that Sony and Microsoft are just trying to shift boxes rather than worrying about making money on them. But that was always true, right? Especially for Sony, who hasn't shaken up the business model to nearly the same degree that Microsoft has. So, yeah, what is up with that? Right? Yeah. Uh, Jaden mentions that phones have been creeping ever upwards as well. Oh, yeah. Remember when the OnePlus One launched? What did the OnePlus One yeah. la like, cost? Like $200? A lot cost. cheaper than they are now. It's, it's getting to the point where, like, it's really rough. $299. Like, a lot of these phones, by the time you're a year and a half to two years into them, the battery is starting to feel really bad. Uh, there's probably a lot of other very noticeable issues and stuff like that. And it's it's rough to replace a phone that's like a grand or more yeah. when it only lasts like a year and a half to two years. In, in a good state. Yes, yeah, so you can obviously use it for longer than that. Yeah, I think that's something I'd really like the lab to spend some time on because there are a lot of budget phones out there. Like on the one hand, yes, phones have gotten crazy expensive. It costs like 13, 1400 US dollars for a flagship now. That wasn't a thing not that long ago. You could get a flagship iPhone for seven, eight hundred dollars not that many years ago. When, when, when the first phone cracked that thousand dollar barrier, everyone went, oh. <gasps> And then they just marched right through it. I mean, Samsung has a phone for two grand now. Yeah. Z Fold 3, right? Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, phones have also gotten cheaper than ever. You can get a full-on smartphone with, you know, like a big touchscreen and everything for like a hundred bucks, a hundred and a hundred and low dollars off contract. I mean, that would have been insane too, six, seven years ago. So there's this, there's been this split. And one of the things that I would like the lab to do is figure out like which of those value phones are actually not awful so that we can have solid recommendations to give people. I mean, one of the big challenges with phones too is that unless the carriers are aggressively monetizing your data, like NVIDIA, they are in a position where the modern business world is expecting companies to have recurring revenue from their customers. I mean, look what's happened to Adobe's stock ever since they launched Creative Cloud, right? Compared to when they used to sell you a discrete perpetual license for each new version of the software. Um, shareholders love recurring revenue, and that's why NVIDIA is trying to build out stuff like their cloud gaming service, because that way they can continue to sell you the same GPU over and over and over and over and over again. Sure, it's at a lower price, but over and over and over and over again. So if you wanna sell things that the customer ultimately actually owns, like the, like a phone from a carrier that from or from a brand that doesn't benefit on the back end, like Apple does through the App Store or Google does through the Play Store, then you do kind of have to keep driving up prices because you look at the profitability of Android phones and how much consolidation there's been in that market. It's clearly they're they're not making that much money, right? Like that's the really scary thing is how many dead bodies litter the path that we have ultimately found ourselves on. Yes, the prices have gone like this, but in spite of that, 
so many competitors have just died off along the way. Most recently, and uh, uh, speaking of like, like prominent ones, LG just abandoned it. They're like, forget it. We can't do this. That I think that was a pretty intense market share percentage thing, though. LG phones were such a small subsection of the market. Absolutely. But you would think if there's enough margin in the product, they could buy some market share, get right. aggressive on pricing. But clearly, there's not enough margin. Traditionally, I don't know, pricing is a really interesting thing. And I think pricing for phones especially is a really interesting thing because I think people will go into a store and they'll look at an iPhone and they'll see the pricing of the iPhone. And then they'll look at the Android phones and the ones that aren't priced near the price of the iPhone, I think a lot of market research is not done and they just assume they're really bad. Unless it's priced like the iPhone, it's probably garbage. Um, I, I know people that have shopped that way with I mean, phones. There's so. no doubt in my mind that Apple absolutely creates a perception of value in every market segment they move into. I mean, yeah. you look you look at the way that people looked at headphones, right? Like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, outside of the audiophile community, the idea of spending 300, 400, $500 on he on headphones. It's crazy. Insane. It's crazy. Yeah. People just used whatever earbuds came with their Walkman. Like that was the norm you you like or or with their ipod right like they just used yeah. whatever like it was iconic people were just walking around with their white 1499 apple earphones that that was it apple comes in they go hey over the ear headphones well actually i beats changed the game really before before apple did but apple has taken it up another level apple comes in they say hey look earbuds are now worth $150 or $250 in the case of the AirPods Pros. Over the ear wireless earphones, they are now worth, what is it, $549 or something for the uh, for the AirPods Max? I, I can't remember the pricing in US dollars because I'm a filthy Canadian. But the point is that Apple walks into a category, declares it now to be worth spending a ton of money for, they normalize that, and then everyone else ultimately reaps the benefit other than other than consumers their competitors reap the benefit which i've i've always found to just be a a fascinating uh, a fascinating pattern because there's no reason that someone other than apple couldn't do this i mean remember back uh, again this is probably back about 10 years ago when so many laptops had gross tn panel screens right just awful ips displays freaking existed yeah, but it wasn't it until it for laptops at that time they were tn and they were low resolution it was yeah. normal to find a 1366 by 768 15 inch laptop display and it looked atrocious and all it took was for apple to come in and say retina create a value to high resolution displays that you can't make out you know every single pixel this big and all of a sudden, everyone else goes, oh, okay, I guess, it's, I guess it's time. I guess it's, I guess people will like this. Well, no, you should have known people would like it before Apple told them to like it, and you should have gone and been the trailblazer. But I say that, and then you look at a company like, uh, oh, shoot, who were those guys that made the first true wireless earphones? Help me out. It was a Kickstarter. We did a video about them. The Dash, Braggy the Whoa. Dash. How'd that work out for them? Do they still exist? Breggy, 
That's a Wikipedia article for some Norse skaldic god of poetry or something. Uh, Breggy, the platform that, what, something? What, what, what is happening here? Breggy OS? Outperforming the Giants? Full control with your beautiful OS? I have, I have no idea what they have pivoted to. But where there would normally be a buy button, there is now a let's talk button. Whatever that's that's concerning. That means <laughs> solutions ecosystem. What even is this? Concept customization manufacturing. Man what even? I don't even. I don't even understand what they do. Okay, so they're like a consulting firm for like. Oh, you know what? They probably license IP for uh wireless wireless audio then because i'm sure they i'm sure they won some patents as part of creating the dash man don't you love websites where you just have no freaking idea what the company actually does <laughs> yeah i just can't i i don't i i don't know what to do with it like no i'm not going to send you an email like how how ass backwards is that? I'm going to send you an email to find out what the heck it is that you do. But anyway, yeah. So being the first mover, hey, not necessarily a huge advantage in the rapidly moving space of consumer electronics. Um, all right. Why don't we go ahead and jump into our next topic? Why don't, why don't I manage those incoming messages and uh, you jump into a topic for us, Luke? I feel like I've talked a lot here. I am dealing with a currently evolving situation uh, that we should actually discuss about on the show, but uh, we should actually, we should talk about some merch messages and we should probably talk about the thing that Everyone's tons of people buying. are buying. Yeah. Uh, no plans for Brian, the electrician merch. We love Brian, but we don't need <laughs> to monetize him. <laughs> so it's not cheap, but then I never promised it would be. In fact, it's so expensive that you guys will now understand why I ultimately originally canned this product. The original intention, okay, for the CPU pillow was to fill it with 100% alpaca wool. And I saw the price and I went, no, no one will buy this. No one would be crazy enough for this. So we did a blend. We did an alpaca wool and regular stuffing blend for the regular green CPU pillows. And then we sold so many of those that I was like, yeah, and there was this time that, uh, you know, we thought about doing, you know, an alpaca one. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if we did an extreme edition one? And then you guys were like, yes, do it. So we finally did it. It's black, gray, and gold, which, by the way, Intel is what Extreme Editions should have always been. They should have always had a black substrate because that would have been so much cooler. They are otherwise the same as the other pillows, but they are 100% alpaca wool for that amazing squishy feeling. Guys, to be clear, these are not bed pillows. These are not like head pillows. They're not really even intended for you to sleep on them. These are decorative pillows. But these are going to be the bougiest tech decorative pillows on the market. I, I promise you that much. Just like the originals, they have a little uh, hidden pocket where you can, I don't know, keep your things you like to hide or whatever. <laughs> there's, no, there's no seal on the pocket, so the dogs would definitely be able to sniff whatever's in there. But there's a pocket, and it's on LTTstore.com. 
and it's not cheap. We actually we actually named it the expensive edition pillow, which was inspired by the um, the original nickname for Intel's extreme edition CPUs. So they call them XE now for extreme edition. But originally it was EE for Extreme Edition. So that was how they denoted them in the product name. So we decided, hey, we're going to carry on the EE. Uh, we're going to carry on the EE legacy uh, because, you know, that effectively is what it is. So, okay, sorry. So we nicknamed them. Back when they were EE for Extreme Edition, uh, we nicknamed them in the enthusiast community Expensive Edition. So we're carrying on that tradition. This is the CPU Pillow Expensive Edition. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, uh, oh man, there's a lot of, holy crap, there's a lot of these coming in. Luke, if are you- If you want to look into that, I can start talking about the currently developing issue. Sure, why don't you hit it? So earlier this week, uh, pretty early in the morning, I got a call from Apple. Um, I, I knew it was a call from Apple because I've received a call from Apple exactly one other time, although I actually knew it was coming that time. Uh, and your phone comes up with just Apple as the caller ID. So wow. I was like, that's interesting. Uh, How do you so do I, that? I pick it up and I wanted to, uh, I, I was very interested in what this was about. Uh, we've complained about Apple a lot publicly to do with our iOS app. So I assumed it had something to do with that. And it did. Um, my customer service agent told me not long before this that he had dealt with a very interesting ticket. Uh, where someone had CC'd Tim Cook. Um, and <laughs> and uh, I just kind of laughed and was like, oh, okay, whatever. And, and we moved on. Um, I'm sure this person also did other things other than just CCing Tim Cook because they said they were going to try to contact people. And what they were trying to do was actually help us. They were trying to contact people at Apple to try to push them to allow us to take third-party payments through the app. Okay. Um, what the customer service agent said, which is now much more relevant due to the stuff that has literally happened since we sat down to do this show. Yes. Um, give me one second to find it. I'm feeling very apprehensive right now, Luke. I would like this story to continue in an expedient manner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's okay. Everything's okay is, is the final answer. Ah, um, thank if you. If that helps. Everything well, yeah, ends up being fine. That's very good um, to know. So a customer service agent guy says um, da, 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 something that is, okay, where is it? Da, 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 da. We also can't collect payments on iOS due to lack of support for third-party payment solutions, Stripe and PayPal, um, which is a little wacky and I've already talked to him about it, whatever. Um, the, the problem is for, and it was, it was a pretty confusing phone call in a few ways. If we do Apple Pay, they take 30%. If we do in-app payments, which is different than Apple Pay, they take 30%. Uh, we can apply for a small business thing. We've talked about this on Wan Show before, actually. Um, like we talked small about small developer thing where it's, it. yeah, it's like yeah. less as long as you're under a million dollars revenue. Yes. So they, yep. you have to apply for it. We would probably get in, um, yep. but they take 15% unless you break that $1 million revenue mark, and then it goes up to 30 Mm -hmm. And our problem with that is our margins are actually pretty thin. Uh, yes. If they're if they're taking thirty percent on a, I believe I don't remember how I did the math. I don't remember if it was for a three dollars subscription or a five dollars subscription. But at one of those two marks, because our our costs are fixed, the creators just make whatever on top of our costs that they charge. Um, 
but there, there, there's no margin left, essentially. At yeah. 30%, there's no margin left. So if we somehow broke that million dollar revenue threshold, we would immediately just make nothing off of all the Apple stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's not really an option for us. Joining the small business thing doesn't save us because once we break past that threshold, we're potentially screwed. I did ask and they didn't know right off the top of their head and I didn't expect them to because they weren't a master of this section of it. But the person that I was talking to on the phone wasn't sure if the 30% applied to only payments that were past the 1 million, like taxes, mm -hmm. or if it was all payments. But either way, it doesn't it doesn't work for us. So we, we can't do that. Um, but we talked about a bunch of stuff on the phone because we talked about how uh, we've had a lot of problems with the app in the past, yeah. with them trying to use our login for other things, with them denying our app for six months through for a variety no of different reason. for no reason. And, and I talked about how like a lot of these different problems, we don't know if they're actually problems or not. People in the public have told us that we're allowed to do certain things with iOS apps. We have then tried to do them and we have had our app denied for them. Uh, we have done the exact same thing that other large apps on the iOS store have done to yeah. try to get around it that way. And they have denied our app. Um, at one point in time, we took the exact um, error text from Netflix to just like, we know this is a massive app. Let's just do it the exact same way they do it. Um, and we got denied because it wasn't allowed. Like I, I, I went through all that kind of stuff and they, they were good. The, the person on the phone was, was very reasonable, very understanding. Yeah. Um, it was a good phone call. Um, but I was airing a lot of grievances and they were, they were good at dealing with it. Um, but one of the things that they said was multiple times was that the app in its current state is fine. And I was like, yeah, I know because it like just got approved. But like, I'm not really happy with where it's at because we can't communicate to people. The whole problem where this was rooted in, the person's problem that they had, was they weren't a subscriber on Floatplane yet. They installed the app on iOS. And then the warning was confusing to them because we can't tell them to go to Floatplane.com to subscribe. Right. We're not allowed. Um, so we're still not allowed to do that. So we can't resolve the core problem. They want us to enable in-app purchases but there's the whole 30% thing, so we can't really do that. So we're kind of just stuck where we were, but I hopefully have a better understanding of the, the rules now, which is good. Uh, except <laughs> while we were on the show, we got an email. <laughs> and again, multiple times, they said the app in its current state is fine. While we were on the show, I got an email saying, your app, Floatplane, does not follow the App Store review guidelines. Your Floatplane app, Apple ID, blah, 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 does not follow one or more of the App Store review guidelines. For more details uh, or contact App Store review, visit the Resolution Center. And I was like, oh my goodness. This happened literally during the show. So while you were sitting there talking about a different topic, I bring up the Resolution Center to figure out like what's wrong with our app. And it's a, it's a nicely written email from the person I was on the phone with following up with a few like references and documentation that I wanted so that I could better understand a few things, but they sent it through the resolution center. So our app is now flagged. <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's a, they're a nice person. It's a, it's a well-written uh, Thank you for your time on the phone today, blah, blah, blah. As discussed, here's some, a bunch of different links for a variety of different things that'll help me in the future. It's it's nice. I wanted this. I wanted it as an email. I did not want it as a resolution center. <laughs> like your app is now flagged as not following guidelines thing. Um, I think our app is still up on the store. Oh, wow. My camera just fell. 
Oh, <laughs> Welcome back. I, I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> oh, Luke. I had nothing to do with that. I wasn't there. That was not my fault. <sighs> I dropped nothing. Wow. Whew. That was actually really close. It almost, it would have, if it actually falls from where it is, it'll whack its lens on the, the uh, mount of my monitor. So that would be bad. But anyways, I just, I don't know what to do at this point, guys. I, we, we released a, an update recently for iOS. So notifications work properly through iOS now, Yeah, which is cool. They approved it actually very quickly. It hit the store very quickly. We haven't had issues since the last time we complained about it. Um, I think the app is still up on the store. <laughs> I'm going to have to send in an appeal for this informational letter that was sent in to make sure that that flag gets removed. Uh, because right now, if I go to like my admin panel for the uh, iOS store, it says it has a big warning thing that says there are one or more issues with following platforms, one unresolved iOS issue. It's again, it's probably fine, but this is just like, oh man, it's such a mess. Yeah, it's painful. And people that use in-app payments have to pay 30% for this trash heap. And like, to be clear, it's a problem on both sides. Android is having tons of issues recently as well. These app stores are just horrid. Oh, I guess I'll, luckily I didn't mind the conversation. So hopefully we can have another one and get it resolved. Um. Uh, in other news, um... The show is brought to you by Zoho.com Zoho CRM. Thanks to Zoho CRM for sponsoring this video. They're a 360 degree solution for managing your business's sales, marketing, and customer service. With their intuitive UI and simple navigation, you can implement their service quickly and efficiently with minimal disruption to your current processes. They offer AI predictions to help you understand your customers' needs so you can see trends and purchase patterns with a variety of indicators. Plus, their built-in design studio helps you customize your CRM experience to help you spot critical customer or account information at a glance, helping you get your work done faster. Zoho offers flexible contracts, transparent pricing, and an ever-evolving product that grows to meet your needs without snowballing costs. They've got over 15 years of experience in the industry and over a quarter million clients, so it's a great solution to support you in your customer relationship management needs. You can get 50% off an annual subscription when you use code ZCRM50 at the link in the video description. Thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring today's WAN show. DigitalOcean's new app platform service helps you build modern, cloud-native apps easily while keeping costs low. With App Platform's intuitive interface, you can rapidly build, deploy, and scale static websites and apps with ease. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it manage the infrastructure, application runtimes, and other dependencies. DigitalOcean runs App Platform on their own infrastructure, so it keeps your costs significantly lower than other products. Plus, it's built on DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup too. Even if you're not using popular languages like Node.js or Python, you can deploy container images from the registry or Docker Hub, and App Platform will take care of the rest. When show listeners can get started building apps with App Platform for free, and DigitalOcean will even give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash wanshow. Again, go to do.co slash wanshow and get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. Thanks to ShipStation for sponsoring today's WAN show. The holidays may have come and gone, but your business needs haven't slowed down. Between growing your business, managing inventory, and juggling orders, you've got a lot going on, and it's only January. Make shipping the easiest part of your day with ShipStation. Figuring out the best way to ship your orders can be frustrating and confusing. 
ShipStation makes it quick, easy, and convenient. You can easily import orders from any sales channel, automate just about any shipping task, which means you can spend less time sorting through orders and more time doing what you do best. And ShipStation integrates all selling channels into one simple dashboard, so you can seamlessly connect carriers, print shipping labels, and get products out the door fast. Over 100,000 sellers use ShipStation for their business, so start 2022 off on the right foot with ShipStation. Use our code WAN to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months of stress-free shipping for free. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in WAN. ShipStation. Make ship happen. All right. What else do we want to talk about today, Mr. Luke? About how Google calls for the White House to support ensuring open source projects yeah. are secure. What does the White House have to do with open source software? <laughs> I actually don't really know. Uh, I thought this was really interesting. I skimmed through it and still didn't really understand it. Um, to go over some of the notes, the White House hosted a summit on Thursday with big tech companies to discuss how to make open source software more secure. The meeting featuring Google, Facebook, Amazon, Oracle, and more comes in the wake of the devastating log4j vulnerability that seemed to affect just about every tech company on the planet. Generally, open source software, or OSS, or FOSS, which is freedom is a little bit different, uh, is considered more secure because the code can be viewed by the public. Yes, absolutely. This means that issues are often spotted and fixed quickly, unlike in private scenarios where we have seen companies do nothing until pressured by the media, like in the Equifax data breach in 2017. That was actually, that was huge. And this is a big reason to use open source software, but it doesn't like with Log4j, it doesn't make everything immune to it. It just helps because there's more eyes on it. Um, these open source software projects are run by volunteers uh, and sort of, or companies that are backing them, but whatever, uh, often run by volunteers, I think we should say. And maintaining code and making sure it is secure is very difficult work and requires a lot of time, absolutely. Most open source software projects rely on private donations and funding can be very sparse, again, Usually, yes, and they did say most. Um, some open source software projects are backed by massive companies um, yes. like Apple, like Google, like Facebook, etc. Sometimes um, huge consortiums of enormous companies. Yes, yeah, yeah. Google's Kent Walker said, for too long, the software community has taken comfort in the assumption that open source software is generally secure due to its transparency and the assumption that many eyes were watching to detect and resolve problems. But in fact, while some projects do have many eyes on them, others have few or none at all. I really, this is where like, I read that part too. And I'm like, yeah. And if I'm like 14 and I release some open source stuff, I mean, some developers at 14 are absolute wizards. But if, if I'm like, ha ha, this open source software thing can tell me when my mom drives in the parking lot. I like who, I don't think the government should be on should have to make sure that's secure? I, I have no idea. Google is asking that the US government step in and assist in funding the open source projects that have become critical to so many companies. Ah, they want more money from the government. Got it. Android is developed, okay. Android is developed on open source software to ensure there's proper oversight and the code is updated. Ah, my care about this just went from like four out of 100 to zero. Um, at the moment, it is unclear what kind of action will be taken by the US government or big tech companies, but this is a good first step in making our tech more secure. I don't think just fun, like throwing more money at Apple, Google, and Facebook is a good first step. Um, what kind of open source software do you use in everyday life? Have you donated? I have donated to some open source projects. 
Um, I use such a massive list that I should donate to more, honestly. Yeah. I really I, should. I, I don't think I've ever donated to OBS, for example. I definitely should. I mean, that's the amount a, that's of a pretty good point. The amount of yeah. money being made in the streaming space, right? Like, did you see that Streamlabs raised like a hundred million dollars? I'm looking at this, going, "What? Yeah. Well, how does that number make any sense? I, I don't. I don't get it." Um, but I mean, apparently there's enough money floating around in that space. Like to be clear, yes, I stream, but like, come on, we, we do one live podcast episode a week. Like this is not a streaming operation. Um, so I, I was, I was blown away to see a number like that for a streaming services provider. I, I just don't, I just didn't understand it. Um, so I, I, I guess it probably makes sense that OBS should like maybe make some money. So maybe I should just do that. Yeah. And you've actually mentioned that off stream before too. And I think that would be a good idea. Uh, I've donated to a few in, oh, wait. in real life. Oh, that's why OBS was on the tip of my tongue. I actually did. I actually oh. did. Uh, I donated to them recently. Yeah, because we talked the, about it. Yeah, because of the uh, the 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 what was it? That that stupid the OBS thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> you were like ninety nine percent of the way there. You got it. Wait, um, maybe it's not Streamlabs that raised a hundred million dollars. Who was it then? I was I was emailing some stream. Hold on. While you look that up, there's another question yeah. here that says, what kind of open source software is used by Flowplane? Lots of stuff. We also Stream Elements. Stream Elements uh, raised 100 million. Sorry. Correction. Stream Elements raised 100 million. Streamlabs are the jack butts that prompted me to donate to OBS because they ripped off their software and branding because they were buttheads. There mm -hmm. you go. Thanks, guys. Uh, SKHS Video Production asks, why was that one message read? Uh, how are they color coded, Luke? The merch messages? Uh, I think people are selecting. I, if you spend over a certain amount, which I don't fully remember what the amount is, I think it's a hundred bucks. Um, Conrad will probably correct me here in a moment. Um, but if you spend over a certain amount, you get a little menu uh, that lets you pick what color you want the background to be. I'm pretty sure that's okay. how it's currently functioning. Got it. I'm sure Conrad will ping me. But What's yeah. some other open source stuff that you use all the time that you feel like you should probably donate to? Uh, man. I use paint.net every week to make the land show thumbnail. Yeah, OBS I, is open right now. You know who I did donate to, though? Uh, Christopher Vandermoten or whatever, uh, who makes the um, the... Uh, the drop shadow plugin that I use for paint.net. I was like, I can't believe paint.net doesn't have drop shadows by default. Thank you for making this plugin. I, I think I donated like 50 bucks or something like that. I was like, this, this saves my life because I don't want to learn how to use Photoshop just to put a stupid like drop shadow on something. And this is like eight years ago or whatever, whenever we started actually doing thumbnails for the WAN show. <laughs> The, the, one of the problems with talking about open source and talking about donating for open source is because is is that there's such a wide range. Like, like for Floatplane, like like AJ mentioned and and Jaden mentioned, like we yeah we knew we use Node.js and like a billion or AJ joked only a billion. I think we're at two billion now. Uh, we use a lot of 
plugins for, for Node.js as well. And we use a lot of other open source stuff and we contribute to a decent amount of open source stuff too. Personally, if I try to exclude work, um, man, I mean, we just got off the Linux challenge. There's a lot of stuff included in that. Um, oh, yeah, I was, sure. I was still using Ubuntu and Mint for a while um, after the Linux challenge was technically over and I, I would like to go back um, someday. Um, there's been, there's been a lot of stuff I've used in like little automation things, um, on my own personal computer. There's been, uh, a lot of different, like weird stuff for games. Uh, like, I don't know if you remember, but we, one night the float plane team played among us and we used this weird little open source video or voice project thing so that there was proximity voice in the game. That's cool. Um, were you there? I thought you were there. Maybe you weren't there. Um, but yeah, we, we used this plugin thing so that you could talk to each other in game. You just couldn't use discord and you could only talk to each other if you were like right next to each other. Um, so it made it like kind of realistic, which was interesting. That's um, cool. there's lots of little things like that, that are, that are pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. There's even, there's even stuff like that people should consider contributing to that isn't necessarily open source. Um, but it's a private project that people are not charging for. It's free software right. or it's a free service or a free website or whatever. Um, and if, if you use it actively, you should, you should genuinely consider contributing towards it. I, one big one that's, that's probably on a lot of people's minds right now is the uh, bringing back the YouTube dislike button. Um, oh yeah, that's a big one right now. A lot of work has gone into that and I bet you a lot of you are using that and I bet you a lot of you are benefiting from that. So yeah. There's a, another really cool open source YouTube related project. We've got a video coming about it soon. Theo Joe of all people created hey. a, um, a, I don't know if I'd call it a script or a program, it's something. And what it does is it interacts with the YouTube API to check all of the comments on your channel or on your most recent videos um, and put them through like a spam scrub and then remove them from the channel. And it can do it in like, a minute the fact that that took a community member to make that is so youtube <laughs> dis like deeply disappointing like how that's how so that google <laughs> <laughs> like come on oh my goodness someone made a comment the other day is that that was like yeah we definitely needed the dislike buttons to go away for for creator mental health when this is what my comment section looks like and it was literally bots replying to each other. Yeah, that's that my were, like, favorite. That were like different things. Like, And then eventually they talk about like the guru that helped them through a tough time in their life or something. And it's like, okay, this is who we're advertising. <laughs> life coach or, you know, crypto guru or something like that. I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, I just, yeah. Yeah, I'm dying here. <laughs> um, Should we go through some merch messages? We have a lot here. We could do like a few now and then- We whoa. should do a couple. Let's not focus on the ones that are about merch. Let's focus on the ones that are more like video video topics. Yeah. Uh, Spencer asks, try and game on IBM slash any POS system. I actually did a video a little while ago where I gamed on a 25-year-old laptop. Lots of fun. But the thing is that without the nostalgia factor of playing games that I actually used to play on a computer like that, there's not really a whole lot that I can contribute well, with something like that. There, so it's a yeah, tough. I, don't, I don't know how much you could contribute necessarily, but there's the whole Doom challenge thing where you try to get Doom to run on just like anything. Um, could be interesting, but yeah. 
Um, Anonymous asks, would you ever consider adding more content to your build videos about the jank and the things that didn't work? Sometimes we do behind the scenes on Floatplane, like we'll do cutting room floor uh, clips and that they'll, they'll show, you know, stuff that's too hot for TV in some cases, like stuff we couldn't really upload to YouTube because we just don't need the general public seeing it or, uh, you know, little deeper explanations into how we solved a particular problem. There's not always a ton of that, but there is a little bit. We try to plan our projects more now so that that doesn't happen that much. Uh, Brian C. asks, hey, it's been a couple of years since the thinking of retiring video. How do you feel now? Lately, you've been looking like you're having a lot of fun with the lab and videos. Um, I mean, really, it was it was an attitude adjustment at that time. And, you know, that's ultimately the conclusion that I came to in the 10 million subscriber stream was, uh, you know, I have the best job in the world and I I have to I have to want to keep doing it because I want to. I can't just focus on how I'm stuck doing it because I've got dozens of people that are relying on me to keep doing this. And um, you know what? Honestly, sometimes it's still a grind. It's no secret that content creators burn out left and right. And I can tell you guys, there's a good reason for it. For the smaller ones, I feel like a lot of it is just feeling like they have the whole world on their shoulders and every video they upload is this expression of themselves that even if 99% of the feedback is positive, that 1% just gets right under your skin because it's such a personal attack when you create something and someone goes out of their way to tell you how terrible it was. Um, so I think there's a lot of that. And then on the other side of the spectrum, the ones that have scaled up like us and built teams where no, the whole thing doesn't rest on their shoulders in terms of the content, well, there's a different kind of pressure because for me, the big one is trying to figure out how to make sure that every person under this roof and many not under this roof. I mean, I'm not going to name names, obviously, because this is people's personal life situations. But I know that there are families of people who work here where there's one income supporting that family. And it comes from Linus Media Group Incorporated, right? That check has to arrive. It's got to arrive in full and on time. And that's something that puts a lot of pressure on me sometimes to to take a deal that I don't feel like doing or to uh, tackle a project that is going to require me to lose sleep over. Uh, but it's and, and it's exhausting to be clear. I'm not complaining. Like I said in that video, I have the best damn job in the world and you guys are you guys are what make it possible. But that doesn't mean that it's not a job, right? That doesn't mean that I'm not tired sometimes. So yeah, I'm tired. I'm, I'm still tired. I'm more tired probably. But I am trying to channel that tiredness into innovation. And that's where I think uh, I have a lot of fun with LTT Store, creating, like finding problems. This This shirt that I'm wearing right now is so freaking awesome because we had a problem with getting supply of good quality hoodies in you know colors that we wanted with a good fit uh, good materials um solving that problem has been such a journey and now finally seeing the fruit of it this is not available for sale yet guys sorry it'll be up at some point but it is so exciting and it's a, it's just um it's a different creative muscle to get to flex, right? Sitting down with the merch team and talking through, you know, 
injection molded plastics issues or making judgment calls on like metal finishes or you know talking through design elements like this um this blank hoodie that i'm wearing is um is actually printed already so it's got a little ltt logo on the front so this was done with kind of like a splatter effect in the original design i kind of went ah yeah you know what i think it 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 obscures the it obscures the text it you know changes the branding but i love the colors um and then the design on the back is super cool it's kind of like retro inspired lloyd did it oh that's sweet that's actually awesome. So it's a blown up CPU. I think he did an amazing job of the concept. I loved the color palette, but I was like, hey, I think we should do this and this and this. And getting to be part of that, uh, that design process and working with creatives like Sarah and Lloyd, um, the engineers, Bridget, Hannah, Matt, uh, that team is like over 10 people now, I think. It's crazy. Working with those guys is is so much fun like creating something physical it's just different it's um and and so i've been having a lot of fun with it and just finding problems and solving them like the backpack is such a great example uh we we just found a problem like there's not a tech backpack that really speaks to the it techie you know there's a thousand camera bags but there's no like hey i need a tablet and a laptop and somewhere to put my my switch and maybe even like handheld PC. We need all these sleeves, right? So we were able to we're able to tackle that. So I, um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that. I'm also really excited about the lab. I think the lab is going to change online media with the vision that I have for it. We have some amazing applicants. I have someone in mind who I want to run it, who is O, G tech media um, that I'm that I would be really excited to be able to work with on a daily basis and I'm gonna I'm just just gonna really enjoy being part of that like I'm not I'm I don't have the education to do a lot of what those guys are gonna do right but what I do know is enough to ask questions and enough to learn and I, I'm really excited to learn again so I, I want to bring in a team of people to to teach me more and that I can teach about, you know, what the consumers need and how we can present that present that data in a way that's palatable and useful. And I, I just think it's going to be so exciting. So that's that's what really gets me out of the bed. It gets me out of bed in the morning right now. Um, no, we don't do internships. Sorry, it's just like there's so much confidential information around here and it's so disruptive to our workflow we're just we haven't reached the kind of scale where we can make it make sense for us yet i'm sorry um tried to follow along with the linux challenge i couldn't get an eGPU and couldn't get all of my monitors to work at the same time any suggestions for where to look for solutions i mean honestly that was the problem for me ultimately that was the problem is there there you run into an, a weird edge case and it's hard to find an up-to-date solution. Luke, did you did you flag that because you've solved it? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't think I flagged that one. Oh, that was a merch message. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I flagged that one. Um, I I don't have suggestions necessarily where to look. There's there's lots of Linux resources out there. There's lots of places that would be very happy to help you. Um, it's going to take some serious work. Yeah. If you're good, you can, if it's not solved, if you're good, you can maybe be a part of the team that solves it. But this is, this is part of what's involved with being on the Linux side of things is, is fixing stuff. This is super cool. MN, MNT reform. How have I not seen this? Uh, this was flagged by Jonathan F here. 
have you seen this? Apparently it's got like detailed schematics and stuff. So this is an open source DIY laptop for hacking, customization, and privacy. It's thick. The it's battery really pack is just so. six, 18650s? Okay. That's, um, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Uh, okay, full disclosure, guys, I am an investor in Framework. Um, okay, so that's out of the way. Oh, boy. What can I say about this? That, hmm. I can see why Framework took the approach that they did, making it kind of, you know, sleek and a little more uh, consumer, um, a little more attractive to more like your average consumer. ARM 64-bit development tool, teaching tool. Can you can oh, you it's arm based? Yeah, I was gonna say, can you can you go look at the CPU socket? Is yeah, there's no socket. So it's uh a freescale IMX85MQ with four ARM Cortex A53 cores. So this thing is not powerful. This is more about just uh how much does one cost to order? It's like a grand. <sighs> okay. Well, that makes it a little bit of a tougher sell for me. Yeah, it's eleven hundred euro. So, to, oh, assembled is thirteen hundred euros. So it's two hundred bucks for assembly. So that's if a bit you're of a buying this. You should probably assemble it yourself. That's like the whole point. Tougher sell for me. Um, pretty cool, definitely cool concept though. Good to have others in the space at the yeah, very least. Absolutely, absolutely, can't agree more. Uh, Victor. I'm a first year at UBC whose grades aren't good enough for CS. All right, fair enough. Any good ideas for an enthusiastic tech nerd? I just love coding and software design. Just bad at studying for exams. Thanks there's for all you guys of, do. There's a lot of work you can get without a degree. Um, there's also a lot of places that will hire junior developers. Like you're not probably not going to make a ton of money right away. Uh, but there's, there's places that will hire junior developers in order to train them up. Um, there are people that are legitimately better in a working environment than a testing environment. Um, but if you, if, you, if, you, if you couldn't hack it in computer science, uh, make sure you do some personal projects and stuff. Make sure you're, you're decently capable because um, you don't want to make a fool of yourself when you, when you get into a workplace. But it's not the end of the road. You can, you can find a place to work for sure. Don't give up. Madison P., your boyfriend just got called out. All right. I was curious if you guys could try to pronounce my username, Gaming Dominari. Oh, that's not that hard. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Ever thought yeah. about doing LTX East? Honestly, right now, we're not even sure if we're ever going to be able to do LTX at all again. I mean, you can't plan things. Um, how, how are you supposed to... It, it takes a year to put together a convention like that. Ten months, if you're, if you're, if you're in a hurry. Like, it's... It's non-trivial. You can't just decide tomorrow you're going to run a convention. And when you don't know if there's going to be some stupid outbreak again, how are you supposed to book things? How are you supposed to 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 buy and rent equipment and materials? Uh, I just I don't know what to do. To be honest with you, I'm I'm extremely grateful. Again, back to having the coolest job in the world. I'm extremely grateful to you guys that I have a job where I don't need to be in the events business because. It looks like an absolute nightmare. I, I don't know how they'll survive. I don't know how I could in good conscience hold an event right now, knowing that it's going to turn into a, a crockpot of disease. And, but I don't know how I could not 
if my entire business was reliant on me hosting events. So my options are potentially, you know, put others in harm's way or put myself in harm's way. Great. It's the it's the trolley problem, except I'm in front of the trolley. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> perfect. You're in front of the trolley and you have the lever. What do you do now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jim N, now that Mint Mobile's a sponsor, when can we expect Ryan Reynolds on the show? Hey, consider this a formal invitation, Mr. Reynolds, my fellow my fellow Vancouver boy. Uh, what Probably quite early, but what kind of features do you think we'll see in the SE3? Do you know what the SE3 is, Luke? I was really hoping you would know. Um, SE3? SE3. Like iPhone SE3? Is that what we're talking about here? Okay, apparently there's a bunch of rumors. All right, well, that should give you some idea how much I know about what might show up in the SE3. I wouldn't be surprised if it does not get an OLED display again now that Apple has so few features that they can use to differentiate a lower-tier phone. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it get uh, an LCD display again. Other than that, I don't know. I really don't know what I could say. They might kneecap it with really limited storage options. Um, Mr. Gigor says, if you were forced to rename every brand under you, what names would you go with? That is not something I'm going to be able to come up with on the spot yeah. because other than Linus Tech Tips, which was come up with by my former boss at NCIX because they wanted something that was similar enough to NCIX Tech Tips, but separate enough from the NCIX brand that if I said anything stupid, they could just blame it on me. Um, all of our... All of our branding has actually been pretty, I won't say well thought out, but it has at least been uh, carefully considered. You know, Tech Quickie was a, a joke. Uh, it's a play on words. It's a tech wiki. Um, so the idea was that it would be a, a repository of information about various tech terms and technologies. And then there's a sex joke built into it. So it's a tech nice. quickie. Because right? nice. the videos are supposed to be short. So it's tech wiki, but tech quickie. Um, then tech linked. Okay, that one we didn't put much thought into. There were a bunch of names for that internally, but we settled on the one that was rubbing salt in the wounds of my former employer because Netlinked was the name of NCIX. That's what the N was short for, Netlink, Computer Inc. So when I created the show Netlinked, it was supposed to be the viewer's connection to Netlink. And we were linked over the net. To netlink so you were netlinked wow. you know wow. so that was the idea so tech linked wow. is just lol see you later netlink <laughs> um short circuit was uh done kind of by committee i i don't think i came up with that one it's good so it, it's i think it's really good it's yeah. it's it's short and it's uh, an overview that was where the circuit came from it's a short overview um I'm trying to think of what other branding we have. I mean, Carpool Critics did get rebranded to They're Just Movies. I came up with Carpool Critics because I really liked the the casual vibe that they had because they were actually carpooling when they came up with the idea of it and they would just talk about movies in the car and they were like, oh, this should just be a podcast. Um, but They're Just Movies, they feel better represents the, the the tone of it. And am I missing anything? Float plane? Oh, float plane. Yeah. I don't well, know what the heck to call it. It'll either take off or it float, but it definitely will float, but it definitely won't sink like the vessel that preceded it. So that's the name there. Yeah. Almost um, every one of the names has a story behind it. I, I curated this one because basically I just wanted to tell this guy, like, no. <laughs> um, just because, like, if we were going to rebrand anything, it would take a lot longer than just randomly sitting on WAN show to do so. Oh, for um, sure. Like, even float plane, which is 
probably one of the more controversial of the 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 names. Yeah. Um, that took us a long time. A, a lot of names are taken. Yeah, that's really tough. It's it's a problem. Like getting domains for things is like a huge problem. So yeah. you really got to get fancy with it sometimes. Uh, Mac address. So Mac address I actually thought was pretty clever. I can't remember if that one was me or someone else, but it's where to go Good. for everything yeah. Mac. And yeah. also it's a it's nerdy enough that I think it speaks to what type of Mac viewer we're trying to attract, not just the it's magic. Don't tell me it's anything but magic viewer. We want people who are like, I get it. Mac address. Nah, got him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I, I don't know. I really, I really like our branding. I'm actually really proud of our branding. I think the team does a great job. Like I said, some of these I had, I don't even remember if I had anything to do with. I don't know if I came up with them. Um, in many, in many cases, I don't think I came up with short circuit. I might've been the one to come up with Mac address, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to call that one maybe 30%. It might've been me short circuit at less than 5%. That was me. Um, so I'm, I'm really proud of our team. I think we do a really good job of it for a company that's not focused on that. We don't hire outside consultants to do our design work. So like Mac addresses branding was done by Sarah, uh, tech linked and short circuit were, I believe both done by Lloyd. Uh, like we just do everything in house and we, we just spend time. We, we try to get it right. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, channel super fun. Play. Channel super fun. Channel super fun. It is what it is. <laughs> it's a channel and it's not just fun. It's super fun. Like that's, <laughs> that's the only rule. <laughs> Renovating our second story house in the U S and want to run ethernet cables for all rooms. Do you recommend cat eight for future proofing and where should I get it from infinite cable? I don't believe cat eight is actually rated for higher speeds than cat six. A is it? Uh, blah, 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 10 gigabit per second and lower at 100 meters. Yeah. So, oh, no, okay. It's rated at up to 2 gigahertz. Wow, okay, that's pretty cool. So I don't know what the cost difference is. If it was me, um, I actually didn't. So I did wire my house recently, and I just ran CAT 6A. So I think 10 gig, oh, man, I'm going to regret this, but I think 10 gig is the most that a, con a residential... Oh, oh, is he going to say it? Luke, is he going to say it? I don't know. I think 10 gig is all that a residential address could ever need. Really? Even, even with like localized gaming servers? Yeah. Gaming servers don't need a ton of bandwidth. We'll see, dude. I don't know. Come on. Shut up. What do you mean they don't need a lot of bandwidth? What would they need bandwidth for? Well, if you're, if you're doing all of the encoding and everything, you're streaming video. Oh, 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 that, 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 that. Even then, 10 gig is lots. For we your do, whole house. We what do if four... every single member of your family no, is no, doing No, 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 we're like talking 10 high. gig per link, right? Uh, like, I'm not right. talking total switching capacity. I'm talking per link. And remember, yeah, remember, my house has conduit in all the places that I intend to put computers. I can run frickin' 100 gigabit fiber if I really feel like it. So, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm good. But in terms of what I actually need for a network connection. It'll be interesting once the, the COD comes out in 2030 and it's like 580 gigs. <laughs> we have to start, start finding other ways to manage things. I mean, I'm going to go multi-gig internet as soon as I possibly can. You know what I think is going to happen is more. I mean, did you notice that micro? I don't know how this slipped under my radar, but Microsoft stealthily added peer-to-peer -to, -peer to Windows updates. It oh, is yeah, it's so, been there for a bit. It is so awesome. 
I yeah. freaking love it. It is so much faster and there's going to be so much less congestion. We just need to go to more peer-to-peer. -peer. If my next-door neighbor in my apartment complex has the latest COD, why am I not just pulling it off of their machine? The power savings, right? Like the energy savings, the network congestion savings, freaking game changer. We need to get, we need to get more of that going. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm super into it. And, you know, yes, there's a, a, there's a small cost to my neighbor. But that's the thing about peer-to-peer -peer, is they also reap the benefit of it. When they download the next big thing that I got first, I'm going to share it back to them. I love it. I'm super into that. So short answer, no. I would not bother to go with Cat 8 uh, personally, especially if there's an additional cost. If it's the same cost, yeah, sure. Go, you fill your boots, right? What do I care? Um... The most expensive mistake I made at NCIX as a category manager. Oh, okay. I guess I made a few. Um, there was the time that we blew like three or four grand on these cases that I had priced like hundreds of dollars below cost from, uh, it was either mountain mods or um, I think it was mountain mods. So that was, that was a big, big oopsie. Uh, there were also some times when I, I brought in inventory that just didn't move and we just had to sort of bundle it out at a loss. So I made, I made many thousand dollar mistakes. I don't think I ever made a $10,000 mistake though. So I, I actually had a pretty clean track record. My biggest mistakes were usually down to data entry as opposed to uh, decision-making because I'm not a very detail. Shut up, Luke. I'm not a very <laughs> detail oriented individual. I tend to Speaking be more of big being picture. Detail oriented. Uh, is there a way that you could show that desk pad configurator video without leaking Everything? one or multiple things? Yeah. Uh, is teams even on this laptop? It's not. I could probably email it to you. If you emailed me a, you know what? If you uploaded it to Floatplane, then I could. We you just publish it on Floatplane without notifications because that's a feature we have, and then I'll just fire it up on Floatplane, which I okay. signed into. All right, we have a All plan. Right. Oh, we have a team working on Channel Super Fun, Jacob W. It's just been a little bit slow. Uh, why don't we? Why don't I do a topic while while you're figuring that out? Sure. The Wordle Apocalypse. This was put in by Jonathan oh. Horst. What does your Wordle grid look like today? Okay, every, this, there's this Discord I'm in that nobody has shut up about Wordle. I haven't actually looked into it. I know nothing about it. Um, you may have seen these grids posted by friends on social media for the word puzzle game called Wordle. Uh, it's created by developer Josh Wardle for his partner, and it's a simple non-monetized game that is completely web-based. This means knockoff Wordle apps started appearing in Apple and Google's app stores almost immediately, some with one-week trials and $30 subscriptions. The developer of one of these knockoffs, Zach Schacht, started bragging on Twitter about the success of his app, saying, we are going to the moon. This created a firestorm on social media where Schacht doubled down on his legitimacy, questioning that Wordle has a trademark on the game. His Twitter account is now private. On Wednesday, Apple removed all copycat Wordle apps from the App Store, and in a neat turn, the creator of an older Wordle app, which is still in the store, Stephen Cravota, committed to donating the proceeds from his app's new popularity to boost West Oakland. Uh, discussion question says nothing. So this was just one of those, hey, here's a neat thing that happened this week. You know what else was neat that happened this week? If you can't buy a PlayStation 5, guess what? You can just buy a brand new PlayStation 4. Sony except you can't because they're still out of stock. <laughs> 
but Sony has allegedly decided to build more PlayStations 4 than originally planned. Might be roughly in the neighborhood of a million PlayStation 4s. Originally, they apparently wanted a quick generational transition, but the chip shortage means there aren't many PlayStation 5s and work from home slowed or delayed production on a number of PS5 exclusive titles. So they're just aren't that many PS5 exclusives, um, though several will launch later this year. Below is what's out right now. Astro's Playroom, Demon's Souls, Destruction All-Stars, Death Stranding Director's Cut, I mean, the regular version is on PS4, so I'm not sure if that counts, and Ghost of Tsushima's Director's Cut, which, again, the regular version is on PlayStation 4. That is, for Sony, not much of an exclusive game list. So the idea is to get more people into the PlayStation ecosystem in whatever way Sony can. The issue is that, as Luke pointed out, PlayStation 4s um, are also sold out. So considering the PlayStation 5 catalog is basically doubling this year, our discussion question is, is this too little too late? Is this basically manufactured e-waste? Luke, what do you think? I don't know about manufactured e-waste. Um, I, I suspect if someone has a PlayStation, like I, I don't think PlayStation 4 is just going to get thrown out. Um, there's a lot of pretty solid games on PlayStation 4s. Like it mentioned, there are a lot of non-exclusives that run there. It mentioned like these. this is the short list of exclusives for PlayStation 5. Yeah, there's also games that released for PlayStation 4 that are really bad on PlayStation 4. Uh, like cyberpunk. So I don't know how much we should necessarily rigidly follow that list. Um, sure, that's fair. But like I said, I also don't think that they're just throwaways once this is all over. So um, yeah, I don't know. Manufacturing some more PlayStation 4s, as long as it doesn't reduce the manufacturing of PlayStation 5s, why not? You know what? I like it. Solid take. Solid take. Are you ready to show off the... Uh, are you ready to show off the configurator? Uh, yeah, I'll just post it as is right now. Um, okay, all right, I'm gonna fire it up. So it should be visible publicly, right? Theoretically? Uh, yes, yeah. All right, let's hope for the best. Let me know when it's up. I'm refreshing, I'm refreshing. He's working on it. We're gonna yeah. be talking about uh, cryptocurrency mining on cars shortly. Man, it is just getting to next level cringe how many rando crypto schemes are going on lately i just don't even know i on TechLink today we talked about jack dorsey's new thing that's like trying to solve the problems of crypto by making it decentralized and so that everyone can get mining stuff and i'm like that's not that it's not a solvable thing right now. We don't want I, more mining. Uh, I, I would love to see more work done in in finding more and interesting ways to make it so that people can gather crypto without just wasting astronomical amounts of energy. Um, that would be super neat. Whether it's like proof of stake or whatever else, if we could have more things go in that direction, that would be that would be awesome. I'm not even trying to like take money away from the the big guys here. I just just throwing away all of that energy is very odd, very weird. And there's certain places in the world that are run off like hydro dams or whatever, where it's not really that big of a deal. 
um, or places that are have very, very good availability of either wind or solar power. And again, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but there's also a lot of places that aren't like that. Um, and there's other interesting stories coming out where like, I don't remember what country, but it's a very small one. Um, and their whole power grid got like shrekt um, by Bitcoin mining after some other, I believe it was after some other country um, banned Bitcoin mining in their country. So everyone moved to that little country to Bitcoin mine. And then like there was rolling blackouts and all these different types of problems. So they, they had to ban it as well. And they were like, we're going to raid Bitcoin mining places to make them stop mining because we need our country to have power. Like that's crazy. Um, obviously that's not happening everywhere. That's a minority, yada, yada. It's still processing by the way. Um, but it's just, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I would like to see a lot more uh, <clears throat> coin related stuff that requires significantly less power. That would be something that I would be very happy to see. So Tesla owners have devised methods to turn their eco-friendly electric commuters into cryptocurrency. Model S owner Chris Alessi figured out a way to power his Antminer S9 ASIC using the battery. Oh, seriously? Okay, that's not using the Model S to mine crypto. That's just plugging a crypto miner into your car, allowing him to mine that sweet, sweet Ethereum. Okay, this headline was extremely misleading. There's using also, his... <clears throat> there's also um, he's using like the internal CPU, I believe, and something else. Okay, so using his he lifetime using... of free charging on Tesla's supercharger network, a perk that was available to Tesla's purchased before January 2017, he gets to run his mining machine for free. He's also mining Monero on the car's Intel Atom-based SoC via an in-browser miner. And that's going to be contributing about this much of the overall uh, mining power of that particular setup. Siraj Raval, proud Model 3 owner, has found another way. By, um, <laughs> by hacking the Model 3 software, Raval has gained access to the CPU and then piggybacked five GPUs that connect to the car's battery. It's a computer with wheels, he says. It's so simple to hack. Unfortunately for Raval, he doesn't have unlimited charging, so he has to charge his Tesla at home, so he still has to pay for all the electricity that he consumes. Considering that lithium-ion batteries degrade over time, this seems like undue wear and tear on the vehicle. Yes, thank you very much, uh, whoever prepared this topic. Um, new writer who is unnamed as of yet. Uh, not to mention the loss of efficiency from charging and discharging a battery before delivering the power to the system. This whole idea is... Fun, I guess, but not practical. Discussion question. Wild idea. Find a really steep hill. Use regenerative braking to power that ASIC. Free money. And then never go back up the hill. Um... You know what else uh, we actually made a video about this week is, did you know that Norton is bundling crypto mining into Norton 360 now? What? It's next level cringe. However bad you think it is, Luke... Let me just reassure you, it is way worse. What way do you... worse. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Do we have notes on this? No, no, there's a full video coming about this very shortly. However bad you think it is, it's worse. I promise you. Uh... That is my personal Linus Tech Tips guarantee. Uh, does the user profit from it? Yes. Okay. We did All a right. whole... We did a whole investigation. We benchmarked it. We we dug through all the fine print. It's gonna be it's gonna be one heck of a video. 
Man, that's weird. All right, we're not going to be able to do all the merch messages today. I'm sorry, guys. We just plain can't. Um, Radeon GPUs, once availability is better, we're excited to use them more. Luke, hmm. has Linus ever come into work on a bad BO day, or is he as tidy as his OCD makes it seem? No, he's good. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, no problem. That's usually my issue. Yeah. I've been a lot better with that lately. That's good. Just saying. I actually yeah. keep a stick of deodorant in the little uh, pen holder thing by my desk because I am pretty cognizant of my smell. And I'm uh, I'm a religious teeth brusher. Uh, I, I honestly, I look, I don't want to get judgy right now, but people who like don't brush their teeth regularly, I can't. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I cannot. I cannot be near you. I cannot be, I cannot be in an enclosed space with you. Um, it's awful. <laughs> you need to brush your teeth all the time. Uh, okay, Alex says, uh, "Would y'all do a new video on the new DLSS features?" Yes, we'd love to. It's not on the it's not on the uh, docket just yet, but we we do want to cover it at some point. Uh, unable to get a 5120 by 1440 monitor to run at more than 60 FPS on a Thunderbolt 3 link, but it is 240 FPS with a DP 1.4 cable. Any thoughts? So depending on how your Thunderbolt is connected to your display portness, they that might not be a DP 1.4 link in it. So sometimes the Thunderbolt port is connected to your onboard, which doesn't have DP 1.4 or something like that. So that could be something to do with it. It also could be that the monitor simply doesn't support DP 1.4 on that input. I, I'm not 100% sure. It could be the hub you're running through is not DP 1.4. Uh, anonymous, yes, I absolutely think that it could be argued that, and I think we did argue, um, that YouTube removing the dislike button is anti-consumer, definitely. Uh, Max S asks, what's the next TV monitor technology that you're excited to see come to fruition? Uh, I, I Honestly, that Quantum Dot OLED that Samsung's showing off. Yes, they sponsored a video, full disclosure, but it looks flipping amazing. I'm super jacked. Uh, no more game show episodes planned, Jonathan. Will you develop sandals to go with the socks, Linus? I think you know the answer to that. Uh, is it possible to get captions done for LTT videos? The auto-generated ones can take up to 24 hours to appear. I cannot function without subtitles. <sighs> Given that they will be automatically generated in a day, we've weighed the benefit of creating them ourselves and decided not to um, at this time. Uh, the, the automatic ones are, are good enough for the vast majority of use cases, and it is very disruptive to our workflow to do them ourselves. Uh, Frank says, I buy way too much merch, but the quality is totally worth it. Any plans on restocking the party shirt or any other fun designs? Yes, we have some really fun designs that were actually uh, created by Matt on our team for the upcoming swim trunks. And not all of them are going to make it onto swim trunks, but so many of them were super cool that we want to do another long sleeve, maybe a long sleeve or another short sleeve button up with one of those designs, maybe some other fun stuff. It is, it is just so cool to like make tech stylish and fun you know i recently purchased a 3070 from micro center and was impressed they are limiting purchases in person one per person per 30 days verified with government id when will the women's underwear and sizes be released uh, not that soon we are working on it um own label stuff like this like this is a blank hoodie but it's like our own ltt label that's going to wait did we do ltt 
Oh, interesting. If we're going to bring on other creators at some point, we should probably do like yeah. create a warehouse label. Yeah. I should have thought yeah. of that. And we can't have like, like uh, I don't want to name any names. Could you do labels but... for the individual creators? Like, could you guys have an LTT label and they could have a whatever their brand is label? We could, but one of the things that we want to figure out over the next year is how to do a lot more of our printing on demand. Right now we stock a lot of printed garments and it's really stupid. It would be way less, it would be way more efficient for us to just stock blanks and then print them sort of next day or in two days and then ship out orders. Um, so we would want to have all of our stock of blanks be consistent. That's something we kind of got to figure out. Uh, yes, we want to add the size that people are wearing to the pictures. When will background play or picture in picture on float plane iOS be coming? I mean, when will developing for iOS not be horrible? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Have you guys pretty had much. any failures that have inadvertently led to new ideas or products? Um... I feel like everything we've done has been kind of intentional. I mean, oh, okay, here's something that's happening. The GPU Wasteland um, limited edition mouse pad we did, we saw some tweets where people were saying, oh, I just immediately wanted to color it in. And so we're actually working on doing a coloring sheet that we're going to have available as a free item with your order once we get them. So you will hopefully, I think you probably saw the note from Nick about that, Luke, we will hopefully have a feature where you guys will be able to select your free item. We're working on it. Cool. So you'll be able to choose between your sticker pack or the coloring GPU Wasteland coloring sheet. And then I want to add like pins and stuff like that in the future as well, which I think would be really fun. Griffin B, as a laptop connoisseur, what would you put as your laptop tier list? Uh, yes, XPS 13. I'm particular to the two-in-ones. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Framework. Obviously, I love their mission. Um, so yeah, framework, great, as long as you're willing to compromise some things, right? Like it's not a convertible. It doesn't have a touchscreen. There's things like that. It doesn't have a dedicated GPU. Uh, I think the Flow X13 is, uh, those are some of my favorites. Uh, hey guys, been watching since USB reviews and unboxings from the park. What was one big purchase in the early days of LTT that Yvonne hated but was a success? or one that she was right and failed. You know, I think that we've probably made the joke about Yvonne, you know, being tight with the purse strings too many times because you guys got to understand she's that she's really. been very supportive of yeah. everything that we've done. You know, sometimes she'll ask, hey, do you really need that? And if we say yes, then, you know, it's her job to, in many cases, um, you know, enable us like she she takes it really seriously to enable us to achieve whatever it is that we're dreaming of she knows that she's great at those fine details and keeping the machine running smoothly but she also knows that compared to her i have this like crazy vision out in front of me that a lot sometimes she acknowledges is just doesn't come as naturally to her so that's what makes us a really really good team and uh, so she trusts me. I trust her. And, you know, everything from, you know, every major, major decision, you know, buying our first camera, buying this building, um, we don't do anything unless we agree on it. And that goes for work. That goes for parenting. Uh, I, I saw a lot of examples growing up of parents who 
uh, were not a good team. And I saw a lot of examples professionally of leaders who were not a good team. Um, and to me, as soon as you create an environment where people are undermining each other, it's just a matter of when your downfall will come, not, not if. So we agree on things, we do them together, and we either win together or we lose together. It's that simple. Uh, Joel F., don't be afraid to lay, lay it on me for some custom Beat Saber song recommendations. Oh, bloody heck. I don't, I, don't have my, I don't have my library handy, so it's really hard for me to make recommendations. But if you tune into one of my streams, I promise I'll do one in the next week or so. Then I will, uh, I will get that for you. I'll, I'll show you some of my favorites. Uh, no, Jason R., we do not, unfortunately. Are you guys still going to send out new shirt styles to people to test? Yes, we are planning to do something like that, but it will probably mostly be local. Anonymous asks, I haven't seen a PIA spot in a while. Do you guys still endorse them? We are um, cautious right now. We have not stopped working with them, but we haven't done as many spots for them because they've made some moves lately that we're keeping a close eye on. So we are, we are in a holding pattern right now. Uh, Chris M, upcoming solar car Aptera. I'm very skeptical of what a solar car would be. Um, <laughs> no, Zach S, not at this time. Do you recommend getting the new Intel chips or waiting to see what Ryzen 7000 looks like? Ryzen 7000 looks like it's going to be banging. So that's pretty exciting. But Alder Lake, it's pretty banging. So that's pretty exciting. I don't know what to tell you. Being a we're, CPU shopper is, is pretty good right now if you're looking yeah, for performance. We're, we're finally at a point when there's no wrong time to buy because there's something great now and there's something great coming. I, I don't know how to lose. Um, have you tried a Barter King style thing where you start with PC parts of a fixed value, see what you can trade up to within a week? Honestly, because PC parts are so commoditized, I just don't see it being successful. It's not one of those things where maybe you could trade someone a bicycle for a broken ATV and then fix it or something because they really need a bicycle. Like it's just not, just not really like that. Uh, what keyboard are you using these days, Luke? Uh, it's a ooh, it's a drop bare bones keyboard with the, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it has the high frame. Um, and then I put my own uh, novel key. I don't know if it's Sherbert, Sherbet, Sherbet. I don't know what how what they intended you to call it. I haven't heard anyone from the company call it anything, um, but those switches, yeah. All right. Um, yes, we do want to do a T-powered PC for Spiffing Brit eventually. It's on the list, but there's just been so much going on. And no plans for a GPU pillow at this time. Uh, no idea when short sleeve, long sleeve will come back because it's probably going to be reliant on when we can get our own long sleeve blanks. We're just not going to rely on... We're just not going to rely on the suppliers that we've had to deal with up until now. It's just been horrible. Do you think GPU prices have reached a steady state? Um, NVIDIA did come out and say that they're expecting things to stabilize towards the end of 2022. The funny thing about that timing is that it seems to coincide with when Intel's going to ramp up their production, not when uh, you know, NVIDIA's going to come to the rescue. I, I don't know if NVIDIA had an opportunity to come to the rescue, but um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully this year we'll see things kind of come back to normal and I'm really hoping that it's going to that Intel is going to help 
Now, Samuel M says, if Intel isn't using their own fabs to produce ARC, will we even really see a change in GPU availability? I think we will because they're going to be using a different node than all of the other current gen GPUs. So this is net new capacity that is going to be coming online. Andrew W says, you shouldn't have given, you have given me the power you shouldn't have. You let me type anything I wanted into a box, and now I will type in this box something I didn't need to. Hey, thanks. Um, Jacob W., you'll have to maybe tweet at Nick if you want to know when restocks are coming. Love the lanyard. Had mine for three years. I work on diesel generators. This is the first I've had that survived. Heck yeah. Just don't get it caught in anything because it is strong enough. It'll like not break. It will pull you in probably. Paul says, wanted to give a quick shout out to Visual 6502. It's a transistor level simulation of the MOS 6502, which powered the Commodore 64, among many other things. Visualized in your browser. That's pretty cool. For more transistor level goodness, go to siliconprawn.org. Oh, that's super cool. Joshua, had my birthday last week. Received my first order on my birthday. I'm loving the crew neck sweater, mate. Way more than I should have. Can't wait for short circuit hoodie. Would you recommend buying the Extreme Edition pillow? No, absolutely not. The Extreme Edition pillow is a pure flex item. This is not practical in any way. The, having a pillow this big, full of alpaca wool, that serves no purpose other than to be a decoration, it's silly. But you guys asked us to do it, so we did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to recommend it. It's there, and you can buy it if you want. 10% of them are already gone, and we are not going to restock them because they're ridiculous. But um, <laughs> Joshua asks if there's anything else on the store that I would not recommend. No, I think everything else I can stand behind. Uh, any plans for betting? Yes, we would love to do betting. I uh, won't catch you live, but we'll listen to the show in the car tomorrow. Shout me out since I know you saw this. All right, Justin C. What are the chances of an LTT green screen desk pad? Oh, interesting. A green yeah, I thought that was kind pad. of interesting. Yeah. Cool for like streaming board game nights and stuff like that. There's oh, also, man. I don't know if this would be useful, but I know a decent amount of like first person shooter streamers and stuff like that. They, they have two cameras. They point one of them at their mouse. A green screen desk pad. I actually kind of like it. That's uh... an interesting idea. Okay. Uh, where's my okay? Do you want to do a couple of merch messages while I send that to Nick? Yeah, let me bring that up. I like it. Where'd it go? Oh no! That's a really good idea. Oh, you know what I could do? Actually, I bet this is done processing now. Oh, it's uh, not done processing. No, because we're having a an issue. Oh, for sure. It is unfortunately. Uh, Totally unrelated, but it's affecting that. Extremely bad timing, hey? All yes. right, that's fine, because I've got another way to show it. Check this out. This is the desk pad configure-molator. Hold on, I'm going to start again at the beginning. So we're going to be adding this to the store. Luke, do you want to talk them through it? Yeah, so Conrad's been working on this for, for a while now, and we've actually talked about it on WAN Show a few different times. But the idea of the desk pad configurator uh, is not to configure desk pads. It's to configure your your, your desk to so that you can know, because we have so many options for the different sizes of mouse pads that you can get. And a lot of people have different size desks and getting the measuring tape out and all that kind of stuff can, can be a little bit of a barrier. And some people are just guessing because people don't necessarily have measuring tapes and whatnot. So 
we built this thing uh, where you can throw your peripherals on the desk. You can actually decide if they're RGB or not. I think the RGB peripherals, there we go. They look pretty good uh, with the with the Northern Lights desk pad in particular. Uh, you can change the desk pad surface to make it look a variety of different colors. Maybe we'll add some, some different ones in the future um, or just keep it how it is, not sure. But yeah, you can change the size of the desk. You can change the mouse pad option in terms of which size it is. Um, I don't know if it's currently in there or not, um, but you can change uh, which, theoretically, you'll be able to change which type of mouse pad you have. So if you have GPU Wasteland, or potentially if we end up making a green screen one, you could do that one, um, or Northern Lights or whatever. You can move the mouse and keyboard and everything around. You can tilt things. You can move the monitor around. You can make it look like your desk so you know how well it's going to fit, where it's going to fit, all that kind of stuff. So you can be more sure when you're shopping you can also switch between uh, metric and imperial units which is pretty nice yeah so i thought that was a pretty cool pretty cool idea and i think it's going to make it a lot easier for people to make sure that they get their configuration just right mm -hmm. i mean that's our main i think that's one of our main advantages is having all these different sizes but i think for a lot of people it can actually end up being a disadvantage because it can be kind of overwhelming like there's all these different sizes and it's really hard to visualize we've had people message and go wow, this is a lot bigger than I expected. I mean, the dimensions yeah. are on the site, but I get it. That happens, right? Like, uh, oh man, what's that thing Yvonne bought? And legitimately, not a, people, not a ton of people these days have just like a random measuring tape sitting at home. And, and, and if they don't, it's quite a barrier to like buy a mouse pad to go buy a measuring tape. So it, it takes this really awesome thing of having a lot of options in the mouse pad um, just become a little bit confusing. So we're trying to remove that confusion i remember this time yvonne bought this like floor standing dollhouse and it arrived and we put it together and she's like <laughs> yeah. um yes we're gonna do excess shirts it'll happen um Great job on the colored merch messages. Where does float plane come from? Oh, we talked about that earlier. In the past, Linus talked about sending out the tall and thick to the community. I'd love to help. Yeah, you know what? Matter of time. Uh, someone said, did you ever fix the stereoscopic effect on your virtual boy? Uh, I know how. No, I didn't bother. What, you're not going to spend a bunch of time gaming on virtual boy? No. What's wrong with you? Not so much. <laughs> I've been rewatching past WAN shows, which has been making work tolerable. Quick question. Any plans for pullover hoodies? Lol, wearing one. Uh, not a fan of zippers. Uh, yes, yes. This design is coming to the store shortly, and it's going to be freaking awesome. How far out are the short circuit hoodies and a restock on black short circuit long sleeve? Uh, the hoodies are... Mm, okay. You know what? I don't want to... I don't want to promise anything. I'm sorry. Matthew S says, do you think Steam Deck will actually convince developers to increase development on Linux? Yes. Um, yeah, and I think it already has, would oh, be yeah. part of my answer there. It's yeah. happening. What are the chances of hiring a dedicated sysadmin or a dedicated IT team? Uh, I mean, it's probably the kind of thing we're going to have to do eventually, but not yet. We technically have one at Floatplane. Um... Today, as your fans see it, Floatplane is a subscription-based video streaming platform. Is it more than your fans see, or will it become more? Are there any goals for the company that you are willing to share now or in a Floatplane-focused video? I think you should field this. Um, there, there are, I guess. Um, something that we're working on, which I, I guess we can, we can talk about here. Uh, we, our internal name for it right now is Floatplane as a Service. 
it will probably have a different name in the future, uh, but it's been very easy to just call it FAS for now. Uh, but full plane as a service is the just part of the idea of like we wanted our own platform, uh, and since the beginning, a lot of creators have reached out saying that they are interested, but they want their own platform. They don't necessarily want to join someone else's. Um, and then we have watched a decent amount of those creators end up going down the same rabbit holes that we have um, and have had a really, really hard time. Um, so the goal or idea of Floatplane as a service is to be able to provide the back end, um, to be able to provide the video player, the video uploading, the, the, the everything that Floatplane does um, but to be able to do it on other people's websites for them uh, so that they can have their own website, they can have their own subscription stuff set up and we can just provide all the, the back-end muscle. Um, so yeah, it's still going to take a while, but that is a direction we are definitely going in. Um, and other than that, we're, we're still pumping new features into Flowplane. We're still trying to do new cool things with it. Uh, we will always be, well, it's hard to say always, but we will very likely always be heavily video-focused um, and subscription based and yeah, that's it. A lot of developers at my company use laptops, especially MacBooks to do programming. Would you consider adding more compile benchmarks? Absolutely. Once the lab is up and running, we want to really flesh out our benchmarking suite. Omar says Apple fanboy watching LTT since the fire truck video stoked Mac address is finally a thing. Are we getting content on ancient Apple history? Um, not probably that much. Every once in a while, it's fun to do something, but, um, not for the time being. As for where's Riley with more tech longer, what a wonderful question. Uh, he definitely will be working on it. We might need to grow the tech link team in order to facilitate that. We're going to see how things go in the new year. Oh, green screen desk pad. I already talked through that. Just been waiting for a reason to get my spout lid. Hey, nice. Um, please open a storefront soon. Yes, I. we would love to. I, I do want to do LTTstore.com, like an in-person store. Michael B. asks, do you think console makers will ever support ultra-wide monitors? A lot of games already ultra-wide. Would it be difficult to add to consoles? Man, even just like the Xbox Series S generated so many complaints from developers having to target multiple performance profiles i i don't i don't see it happening anytime soon um hunter c asks why are your facebook videos cropped is that a facebook problem no it's a problem with what performs well on facebook i don't make the rules i don't have a working car but i have two luxury pillows for crying out loud anonymous you are not the target audience for this you're supposed to have a working car first, then you buy a luxury pillow. <sighs> Noah D, last, last merch message for the day. I know you like the Lambo so much. Why not check out some student racing series? I'm part of a Formula SAE team in the U.S. I thought it'd be cool for you guys to come check out some of the tech behind some higher level. Uh, that actually sounds super cool, but I'm not going to be traveling anytime soon, so I don't want to promise anything. Hey, thanks, Jordan H. And that's the last one. So I think that's it for the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Bye. Neptedian just Neptadon just realized that you are not here. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I love Man, it. Man, it it kind of sucks doing Wancho remote, not gonna lie. Yeah, it'll be nice to have you back. Yep, agreed. <laughs> <laughs>